Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast, a podcast that will help you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. I'm your host, Carly Bartlett, and along the way, we're going to have some raw conversations and share some practical tips that will remind you to throw some confetti and celebrate yourself. Your inner critic does not have to be the dominant voice in your life anymore. Hey friends, welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast. Hey, it's Advent season, which means we are in the weeks leading up to celebrating Jesus's birth. So we're in a new series called Repeat the Sounding Joy for the next couple of weeks, where we are going to be looking at scriptures that we have read probably time and time again in the Christmas season, but we're looking at them with new, fresh perspective. And that's why we're calling it Repeat the Sounding Joy, because yes, these these scriptures may have felt repetitive, but there is beautiful new meaning and joy that we can receive when we look at them. And how do we do that? We look at them together. Oftentimes we talk about our spiritual lives as being our personal relationship with Jesus, which yes, the personal aspect is so important, but so is the communal aspect. And so for the next several weeks, I have asked friends from different backgrounds, different perspectives to come and share with us about what these scriptures mean to them. Because I believe that we can come to understand Jesus in greater fullness when we learn together from each other. We are the body of Christ, and Jesus calls us that for a reason. And so let's dig into that and be the body of Christ as we look at these scriptures this Christmas season. Well, today I'm really excited because Reverend Shane Lima is here. Shane is the lead pastor of Ambassadors Church of the Nazarene in Rhode Island, and he and I got connected at Nazarene Youth Conference this last summer. He was one of four of the NYC pastors who led us through the whole week and um, just navigated through many times of reflection and communion and just poured into students all week. And so I am grateful that we get to have this conversation today with Shane. We're digging into Matthew chapter one, which is so fun because I actually preached on this last week when I spoke at one of the Advent chapels for Northwest Nazarene University. And I love that Shane chose this topic too and this passage to really look at the genealogy of Jesus and see the good news in it. Maybe it's a text that we have seen and skimmed through or even skipped over because there's so many names, (laughs) but there is definitely some wonderful wonderful promises and and great news for us. I do want to let you know that we do talk about some of the challenging aspects of some of the women in the genealogy and some of the trauma of their stories. So if you have kids in the car or if you have little ears around you, you may just want to plug in your your headphones for that part of the conversation. But I'm so grateful for this conversation. Can't wait for you to learn from Shane and get to know him. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Well, hey, Shane, welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast. Oh, it's so good to be on here. This is awesome. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, it's just fun to see you again. I know we were in Tampa this summer together at Nazarene Youth Conference. I know it was designed for the youth, but I swear all of us that were part of it, our lives were transformed by being there. So seriously, before we dive into all the things, what was one of your favorite memories from that? and, and, And maybe one of the most impactful moments for you? For me, just the moments of worship where I could just 
pan my, I had just an awesome seat in the arena and just to look around the room at 10,000 students and youth leaders worshiping, hands lifted. I mean, the anthems that we sang, all hail King Jesus and uh, the living God. I mean, just incredible, incredible moments. And then having communion in that sort of atmosphere was just so, so special. It was, it was a transformative week. It really, really was. Yes, absolutely. And I think one of my favorite memories of the whole thing, I think I told you this on Instagram message, but when you said holiness unto the Lord. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I loved that because, you know, for those of us, I know we have a wider range of people that, that listen, but for those of us that are Nazarene, that's like the, that's like the tagline. That's the anthem. (laughs) And there's a old hymn that we sing often that has those words. And sometimes it can feel, you know, holiness under the yeah, like a carousel like or like a military thing <laughs> yes but for you to to like have us repeat that and say that and shout that at the top of our lungs it gave yeah. me life to that and what a beautiful opportunity for all these young people to just be reminded of the call to holiness and the gift of our tradition it was one of the most impactful moments for me so thanks for leading us in that oh man it was it was unforgettable unforgettable and to connect like that generation to this like this heritage that we have yes to not communicate it in a way like you guys are the church of the future like we're going to pass a baton someday but no it's it's right now yes you're you're part of what god is doing in the church today um and that this legacy is moving forward through the leadership of our youth and young adults now Mm -hmm. it's just it's so rich and that moment was truly it was electric and so powerful it was did you plan that ahead of time or was that an no it was a spur of the moment thing uh, they just wow. said for for me to kind of wrap up that worship moment, and the whole theme of the night was holiness. And I was just struck by the fact that we're not walking this journey of holiness alone; that we're doing it in the context of community. We're doing it um, in the bigger picture of this family. Um, and what a rich and full thing we have in in the Church of the Nazarene. And it's just a it's an awesome thing. I, I'm thinking of like the teen in like that small church. There's like maybe it's just them or it's just two or three kids and they come to this thing and it just helps them see the bigger picture of what we're a part of. It, yes. it, it might just help catapult them forward into a lifelong journey of surrender. So, yeah, so good. Well, I won't forget it. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. But for those that have not yet met you and are starting to hear a little bit about you, will you just share more about what you're up to these days, who you are, what God's doing in your in your life and ministry? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, so cool to be part of this. So grateful for the opportunity to share. Uh, so, glad uh, you're here. so my name is Shane Lima. I am a uh, fourth generation Nazarene pastor, uh, lead pastor of Ambassadors Church of the Nazarene in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. So up in the New England district, smallest state in the union. Uh, but God is doing some special things up in New England and up in Rhode Island. Um, I'm married, been married for eight years. My wife and I have one son, uh, Christian James. Some people call him CJ. He's the center of our world. And um, and yeah, I'm just excited to run alongside what God is doing through the local church. So um, I'm passionate about connecting people with the gospel, um, using real life stories just to show how God is speaking at all times and and um and it's just, it's it's the greatest privilege to serve God through the local church. Um, 
so yeah, that's a little bit about me. And I've been now lead pastor for about a year and a half, coming up on two years in a little bit, and became a dad about a year and change ago. So it's been a big year of a lot of change and transition. Yes. Uh, it's exciting. Yeah. So before we started recording, you were telling me how you ended up as lead pastor at your church. Will you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So I'm a PK, a uh, pastor's kid. My dad and my mom were church planners back in the mid-90s. So I was about six years old when our church started. So I grew up second row, piano side in the Nazarene church. So <laughs> just, you know, like that classic story. Yes. Um, so I was raised in, in this church and then had no interest in being in ministry. Like I was a follower of Christ, um, but I had my own plans. I wanted to go into journalism and uh, become a reporter. And uh, the Lord transformed my heart, called me into the ministry at age 17, 18, around there. And um, and so I came into youth pastoring and then young adult pastoring and then assistant pastor. And then um, a, a transition plan, a succession plan was kind of in place for our local church right before pandemic. And then pandemic put a, a pause on those plans. But coming out of that, our church um, really leaned in to what became a succession of passing the baton uh, to a new generation of, of leaders and leadership. So not just me, but so many of the young adults that came up in the ministry with me stepped into new roles as well. And uh, and so, yeah, on February, this would have been February of 2021, um, I uh, got to succeed my dad um, as the lead pastor of our church, which was just like a full circle moment of being raised in the church, discipled by the church, and then being called to then lead this local church. So mm-hmm. it's been a cool, really grace-filled transition process. That's awesome. Okay, one so random side note. Yeah. I wanted to go into journalism too before really? I go into the ministry. And I could totally see you doing it though. <laughs> well, I could see you doing it. And I like, okay, my dream was to be on the Today Show because I like thought that would be the most fun. But isn't that crazy? I mean, I think, I've had this this realization before of like, okay, I wanted to report on the news, but now I'm sharing the good news. Good news. Let's go. I know, so cute. So I think that's super fun. Yeah. What a random yeah. little little yeah. commonality there. Um, but sure. I want to ask BA you. Is in, my BA is in journalism from the it University is? of Maryland. Yeah. Okay. So I did kind of pursue it for a little bit. And then coming out of uh, undergrad, I went to a seminary in the okay. the. Okay. Yes. Wow. That's so funny. What a random, random connection. But I want to ask you, okay, with your dad, what about your dad and his ministry was compelling to you Mm. to then, like, how did God use your dad to compel you into ministry? What things did you admire and appreciate about the way that your dad led? My dad always led through great humility and friendship with Mm. the flock so there was always such a it wasn't like the pastor is here and then there's a huge divide and then the congregation he was really a shepherd of the flock a pastor of the people Mm. walking alongside them so there was a humility and a vulnerability and a friendship but then it was also an element that was compelling of the family was our family my sister myself my mom we were always first. Like he, we didn't grow up resenting the church or feeling yeah. like the church was taking 
our dad away from us. My dad really brought us along for the ride. And so it felt like it was our family pastoring. Our family was leading. We were, we were included in vision and included in dreams and included in planning. And, and it felt like just a, it felt like just our little adventure of this is what God called us to do. And we got to be a part of it. Um, So I always appreciated that about my dad. My dad was bivocational. Um, He's a dentist as well as a pastor. So there was a lot of demands on him as a small business owner, Mm. but then also a pastor and his schedule was of course very full, but God really graced him to raise a family um, that grew to embrace the Lord, but also embrace the mission of the local church. So my sister and I are both involved in, in the church. Um, I'm the lead pastor of the church. My sister's on the worship team serves in a bunch of different capacities here. And, um, and that's, that's a gift. And it's, and it's, I really attribute that to my dad's genuineness and his, um, and his prioritization of our family. I, I think awesome. my dad would honestly say that his greatest measure of ministry success is the fact that both of his kids are in the Lord and still serving. Yeah. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think about what you're sharing and uh, our theme of our podcast, Ditching Perfection. And so often I feel like ministry families have this pressure to be perfect and have it all together because in a way we're living in these like fishbowls that everyone sees our lives. So how did your parents help you all not feel like you had to be perfect and had to have it all together? Yeah, that's a really good question. I was thinking about that coming into this um, because as a pastor's kid, there is like that. You are, you're, you're being watched. You're being, your behavior is being either critiqued or analyzed or whatever the word may be. Uh And I think my parents, what they did so well was to give space for our, like our human, our humanity, our, we were just kids um, growing up in this role that we didn't ask for. Um, But they, they gave us space and and we felt seen um, at home. And so both my sister and myself, we've had, as anybody does, immense like personal challenges, school challenges, relational challenges, whatever that is as a kid, as a teenager, young adult. And my, our parents always loved us through those moments, like at home. So we, we didn't need the affirmation of like the congregation or the affirmation of the people. We had the affirmation of of our folks at home. And, and that really like, it nurtured us. It healed us in in moments that we needed healing. And, um, and so we're, we're best friends with our parents to this day. And uh, they're, they're, they're the goats, the greatest of all time (laughs) in my, in my book. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I think they, they just gave us space to, to figure out things. And they also loved us in, in moments that we desperately needed Mm. that, we needed parents, not necessarily pastors. And yeah, and and they were both for us when we needed both. Yeah, that's so great. And especially for me as a pastor with young kids and for yeah. you now raising your son, those yeah. are the kind of stories that we love to hear and we want to 
see happen in our own in our own lives and families for <laughs> our kids to see yeah. us as their best friends and to yeah. be following Jesus like that's the goal. And so I love it is the goal. That's the greatest success. Stories. I mean, mm-hmm. my kids only one, but I already feel like that tremendous responsibility. Yes. Of yeah, like I want my son to grow up knowing that he's 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 loved and growing to embrace the Lord and growing to embrace the mission of the church mm-hmm. um, and not resenting the church that it took dad away or took mom away, but that we're just, we're doing this thing together. Um, mm-hmm. So I just yeah. pray that God's grace and wisdom would help along that journey. Cause I don't have a roadmap for that to happen. Right. <laughs> yes. But you're right. Just like your parents were your parents and they were relational yeah. and invited you into it. I, I yeah. think that all of that just really matters and makes a it huge, does. huge difference. Yeah. Really okay. So Shane, we are in the midst as when this recording is going to be played, we are in the midst of the Advent season and that. we are, me too. Um, <laughs> and we are unpacking scripture together in our local churches that we hear every year. And so I thought it would be really fun this Advent season to peel back the layers of some of those well-known scriptures. And instead of seeing like, oh, it's the same thing, plug and play, repeat, repeat, there's always something fresh and new. And so I would love for you to share with us something from one of those Christmas biblical narratives that stands out to you that is just bringing fresh insight or fresh encouragement this year. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about this because taking into account the the title of your your podcast, this podcast, uh, Ditching Perfection, and then coming into the Advent narratives, so many times we have like that picture perfect Christmas image of it's the manger, the stable, the baby, the couple, the animals are perfect, the angels are descending, the stars above, and it just looks like this is just as it like just perfectly drawn. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that couldn't be further from the reality of the story. And then thinking deeper into like what preceded the Advent narratives, which is a part of scripture that honestly, when I was coming into like really reading with the word for myself, uh, the genealogy was always something that I would skip over like Matthew chapter one. I'm all set. I'll just go to the second part of it and then yeah. go to where Jesus is actually born. But I was thinking through the genealogy um, leading up to the birth of Christ and how the genealogy ditches perfection. Uh The genealogy completely, well, first and foremost, genealogies typically wouldn't include women at all. Right. In the lineup, it would just be father of, son of, and whoever on down. And the fact that Matthew's gospel includes five women And those five women, we could argue, all have reasons why they shouldn't be included um, in that lineup for for whatever Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. But we have like Tamar, we got Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and then Mary. And all five of those stories have like either drama associated, rape. There's a foreigner, there is a prostitute. We have the Virgin Mary who was had faced the risk of being completely uh, ostracized and 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 banished and being divorced from. I mean, it's a it's it's a list of five women who 
Um, if you're trying to create a perfect list, you'd maybe leave some names off. Um, but yet God's grace is really weaved throughout those five women's stories. Mm-hmm. Ultimately leads to the birth of Christ. The genealogies is something that many times we don't find inspiration or revelation from, but there is so much grace in those genealogies and just signs that throughout human failures and throughout stories that seem broken, God is covering and he is making way for his perfect plans to come to pass, which is ultimately the birth of Christ. Uh So I just have so much appreciation for the fact that in Matthew's gospel, he includes the parts that maybe others would have skipped over, or he includes names that others would have left out. Because if those stories of brokenness that ultimately lead to the redemption that comes through Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that's just something that I've been thinking about coming into Advent um, and just pulling Bathsheba's story, for example. Um, the fact that she's literally the victim of rape mm-hmm. um, at the hands of a murderer and she ends up becoming coming into into the lineage of of Jesus um or Ruth the widow foreigner who mm-hmm. becomes the great 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 grandmother of King David now the lineage of Jesus and how God uses God can use anybody God can use yes. anybody God can use any circumstance and turn it for good mm-hmm. so the genealogies completely ditch perfection yeah that's and lead so us to true Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone listening that feels like they are sitting in circumstances that they would have never imagined, um, yeah. a lot of those stories are women who are victims of yeah. other people's selfish choices. Yep. And so if there's people sitting in that same kind of situation where they're just hurt and reeling from someone else's selfishness. What do you feel like the Matthew one genealogy says to them that can bring hope today? I just think that God's God's grace continues to be sufficient. Yeah. Uh, that many times, you know, we, we suffer not even because of our choices, but because of choices that other people made that affected our story. Um, and yet we believe in a loving and a gracious God that meets us right there, mm-hmm. right in that that spot of injustice or that spot of trauma or that spot of pain, that's where God is. And that's where God's love heals and he redeems and he restores. And what I love is that we don't need to look at our story through rose colored glasses of um, sometimes we think like, well, God, all things happen for a reason, but that's really hard to say when we start facing the reality of trauma and injustice and pain that we've, but I do believe this, that God uses those things can Mm -hmm. turn it for our good. Um, Just last week I was at um, Olivet and um, I was talking through this idea, like with, with Uno cards that um, you can't choose cards or compare cards that everyone's going to get a mix of cards. And I use the story of Joseph, how he was the favorite son of his father, which is a great card. And then he was sold by his brothers into slavery. That's a terrible card. He's bought by Potiphar. That's a good card. He's caught in the wrong place at the wrong time with Potiphar's wife, bad card. 
and you'd have this whole mix of cards and you get to the end of Joseph's story with the brothers that sold him into slavery, now coming to Egypt, needing food and Joseph's in charge of the food. And he says to the brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Mm. God can turn it around and use it for good. Yes. Uh, for the salvation of many, for the saving of many. And sometimes we just need to wait the story out long enough to see how God's grace can weave together pain into triumph and trauma into a testimony. It, it just, it, sometimes time is what is needed to really make sense of what doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and God's grace just meets us there with the bad cards and the good cards of life. Um, God can use it. God yeah. can use it. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned waiting and time being a piece of the puzzle. How do we wait well? And I think during the Advent season, it's a reminder that waiting is oftentimes a part of our our faithfulness story. But how do you how do we wait well? What do you think? Waiting well, (laughs) easier said than done. Oh, Uh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Waiting, waiting well, I think requires um uh, and, and in, in through the four weeks of, of Advent, we talked through the themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. Um, and, and that first element of hope really is the key to waiting. Mm-hmm. When we wait in hope, when we wait with hope, um, it gives us it gives us almost fuel in the waiting that. Yeah. Waiting doesn't need to have immediate results, um, but hope sustains us in the waiting. And then ultimately, like, what do we hope? What do we put our hope in? Um, we're putting our our hope and our and our trust in in a God who fulfills His promises, a God who extends His covenant love to a thousand generations, a a God that is still redeeming, a God that is love. And so I think hope um, is one of those keys uh, to waiting. And, and it, it can be hard when everything feels hopeless. Right. Um, it, can, it can be so, so difficult. And that's where I think the, the importance of faith community comes, comes into play. Yeah. That we are surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ that can journey with us. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's God's design is that we're walking this thing out. Um, in the context of of community, in the context mm-hmm. of the church, yeah. Uh, when yeah. all I think of so many families that um, I've known or I've been able to minister to that are in truly hopeless situations, and and I'll sit across the the room from them or sitting in a session with them, and humanly, there's nothing that I can say to change the circumstance or to fix what they're going through. Um, but what I always try to point people to is the hope that we have, not in circumstances or people, but the hope that we had and find in Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, and in many ways, like they may walk out of my office or walk out of the church building and the circumstance hasn't changed, but maybe our perspective does. Yeah. Sometimes what we need is not a change in circumstance, but a change in, in perspective. And so waiting mm-hmm. is waiting is hard, but I think hope hope is what keeps us keeps us moving. Yes. Right. And I love that you talked about the fact that sometimes we are able to experience and oftentimes able to experience hope through one another, 
Yeah. It, it, it's hard to conjure up our own sense of hope when we are sitting in a very Absolutely. desperate situation. But when we can surround ourselves with people who will remind us of hope and help us shift our perspective, it really does matter and it does change things. And so for for everyone listening that may be in a really tough season and, you know, the Christmas season brings up hard hard stuff and hurt and relational tensions are highlighted and all of that. So for people listening that are feeling that your reminder to us today is don't isolate, like be together and surround yourself with people who can remind you of, of the hope of Jesus. I think that is so important for us as we, as we navigate this time and as we navigate all the time, but, but this season, yeah, it does highlight some of that. Mm -hmm. This season can be so hard. I mean, it's, it's, it, it yes, yeah, the most wonderful time of the year, but for some folks, it does not feel like the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. It, it brings up either traumatic memories or it, it highlights some relational tensions in the family or whatever. And the tendency can be just like, let me hunker down, isolate until New Year's passes, and then I'll come back out. Mm-hmm. But man, I, I really think this is this is a time of the year where if we can lean into community, Christian community, those that are following Christ, those those folks that um, are able to spur us on to to continue to engage and to worship and to wait on the lord um i think there's so much life that can be found in community mm-hmm. absolutely right. yes we just watched the grinch the other day with my kids and my 3 year old afterwards said mom the grinch's heart was so small <laughs> and i said it was at first, I, but then when he realized that he needed to surround himself with people and open himself up to people and people cared about him, his heart grew, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and she was like, are. yes. So it's kind of <laughs> like that. That, that yeah, it we, absolutely is. We need people. We need people. Definitely, definitely do. And people are not perfect. You know, yes. there's, there's some, there's people even in the church that, yep, it's tough. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you gotta be. You got to be wise and discerning yeah. of, of who it is that you're bringing close into that inner, into that inner circle. Right. Uh, I can really speak life and hope mm-hmm. into what feels hopeless. Right. So what is your prayer for your congregation this Christmas? What are you praying? So that's a good, that's a good one. My, my prayer for my congregation is one thing that we, we continue, and this is outside of Advent, um, it's really like the tagline on our, our website all year round is our vision is always Jesus. And, and my prayer for, for our church, my prayer for our congregation is that through the noise of this season, the busyness, the shopping, the, the, the commercialization of what is this season that we would come back to the central figure of Christ, um, and that's that's my prayer for every season, but especially this as we celebrate his birth, that Jesus would be central and that we would we'd find him there and see mm-hmm. him there, worship him um, mm-hmm. as as the savior and as the Lord that he is. Um, that's my prayer for our church mm-hmm. that we'd not just kind of get through it and move on to the new year, but that we'd be brought to a posture of worship and surrender at the feet of Jesus. That's my prayer. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Is there anything else about any of the biblical narratives surrounding Christmas um, that you wanted to highlight before we move to our, our last two segments? Hmm. Anything about the biblical narratives? I, I like the humanity of Joseph um, in that I think 
because he's such like a silent figure in yeah. all of it. Yeah. Um, I think he I think he was wanting to like he didn't wish harm to Mary. I think he was just caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Um, my grandmother used to say just just caught between a rock and a, not really knowing what to do. Yeah. And so he thought, let me just divorce her quietly. She can move on and I can move on. And I can so relate in different circumstances in my life where I felt like between a rock and a hard place, I don't really know what to do. So let me just, let me just back off. Um, and the Lord spoke to Joseph there um, in that place where he didn't know what to do. Yeah. And um, I think maybe even some of our listeners today can um, relate to a situation. I mean, I doubt it's a situation quite like his, right. but a situation <laughs> nonetheless where we don't know what to do. And so we feel like we just need to take our hands off. And I think that there is a lot of truth in that, that we got to take our hands off. But then we also got to be listening for what is it that God could be doing through this circumstance that we have no idea mm-hmm. what to do or how to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a lot of appreciation for Joseph. I think he's he, he's, a, he's a good guy. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah so good. Well, our last two segments, Shane, are our celebration moment and our face palm moment. So let's start with the face palm. Okay. So a funny, embarrassing mishap moment that just reminds all of us that we're all human and we all have blunders sometimes. Do you have a story like that you could share? Where to begin? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I have these moments all the time. But one that really comes to the top for me was back when I was dating my wife, my now wife. Um, we met up for coffee one day at a Starbucks, um, in the Boston area and I was coming from work and I had a seminary class that night and she was getting out of work. And so we we're going to meet up for a quick coffee and, you know, trying to impress and, you know, it's the dating stage and I, we would think we were about to get engaged. So our relationship was already, you know, well-developed and stuff. So we got to the Starbucks, she gets out of her car, I get out of my car I, I, we go, we hug, I, I go and I sweep her off her feet. Um, and I'm going to carry her like right to the Starbucks. Right. So romantic, so loving, so, so such a great guy, such a gentleman. And (laughs) we're walking through the parking lot and I didn't see one of like, you know, those like poles, like that are just to stop cars from like going into another part. So it's like these like barrier poles. Yeah. I didn't see that pole. I'm a pretty fairly tall guy. I didn't see it. I was, I was carrying her. I'm walking and I just slam into this pole. I drop her. I fall to the ground. I rip my pants. (laughs) I'm bleeding all over the sidewalk and our coffee romantic outing was completely ruined. I thought this girl's going to leave me. Uh, we're done. This is embarrassing. Um, she walks, she goes into the Starbucks. She's like, I need all the napkins you guys have. Like, and so she comes out and she like binds up my wounds. I go to my seminary class. I sit all the way in the back row with my ripped pants and bloody knee. Oh my it's goodness. Just a reminder of like, watch out for the obstacles in your way because, uh, it was terrible to this day. Oh my goodness. Like, I need, I need redemption in that parking lot. That is hilarious. That is like a movie moment right there. <laughs> it was horrible. I don't know what I was thinking. Let's just walk into the Starbucks like adults. Like, like there's no need for me to be all extra and carry her and do all this stuff. Just let her walk. I can walk. We would have had our coffee. 
but it makes oh, for a good. Oh my goodness, that's that's a good one. That's pretty epic. All right, the last thing we would love for you to do is just stop and throw yourself a party today. I think for those of us that struggle with perfectionism, sometimes we can put a magnifying glass on the things that we feel like are going wrong or the things that we have made a mistake in. And so it's just a good, I'm learning that there's a gift in the discipline of celebration, celebrating what God is doing and seeing the good. So we'd love to hear you celebrate you and what God is up to in your life in this season. Coming into our son being born, we were married seven years before we decided to have a, like build a family, start a family. And coming in, I'm like, I don't know how good of a dad I'm going to be at. Like I had a, have a great father, super grateful for him, but it felt like, and now I got to say a year and two months in, I'm a, I'm a good dad. Like I can, I can change a diaper really well. I am on top of things. I am like, he, we're like best friends. And, uh, and I'm just so grateful for, for him. And I've learned so much in being a dad for now 12, 14 months. Um, and there's just such an equipping that just happened. It felt like automatic when he came into the world and I'm just growing into that. So despite the lack of sleep on some nights, <laughs> yeah. um, I am, I, I think I'm killing it when it comes to being a dad to, to my little boy. And so I, I hope he feels the same when he's able to communicate about it. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's so good. Yes. Because there are so many things to learn that first year. Everything sure. is new. You're sleep deprived. And so it's it is easy. Yeah. And so it's easy sometimes to see like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have done this or this, but to celebrate the good and the faithfulness and being present. Yeah. That's awesome. I hope other young parents are hearing this and trying to see themselves as a great parent too, because we're all doing our best out here. We're doing the best we can out here, you know? And yes. I know there's a lot of different TikTok videos and reels that you could watch of like parenting tips and hacks and how to do it right. And ultimately, like it becomes a lot of information to try to process. Yeah. We're just doing the best we can day by day. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, it's fun. I, I saw something that millennial dads, are more are like 45% more present in their children's lives than their fathers were, which is wow. some, some statistic like that. So I just, not that we should get like a trophy for being present in our children's lives, but I'm just, I'm grateful like that this new generation of fathers are, are present in their, in their kids' lives in, in mm -hmm. ways that maybe a generation or two ago, that wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, so every day, I, Monday is my day off, which is the day that I get to spend with, with my son. And, um, that's the day that I have all day with him. And it's just, I, I always look forward to our day together just to bond and, um, and, and be able to, sh time flies by so quickly just to be able to share some quality time with, with my little guy. So it's been a fun year and, and, and change and I'm looking forward to what's to come for us. Yes. What are you excited about for Christmas season and experiencing it with him this year? So last year he was about four or five months old. So yeah. it was like, we were still in the thick of formula and every couple hours and the sleep deprivation was very real. Yeah. This year, you know, now he's babbling and starting to put a couple of words together and pointing and enjoying and laughing and joking and his personality is coming out. So even just having like our Christmas tree at home, my wife put it up like November 
first week of November this year. We usually do yes. it on Thanksgiving. But I think part of the motivation and getting it up early was just the wonder of mm-hmm. seeing him look at the tree every morning when we come down from from the room or um just the whole the whole season just the magical nature of it now with a kid yes. that's able to enjoy and appreciate it a little bit more it's it's fun it kind of takes awesome. you back to your own childhood yeah when you see it through your kids eyes for sure that's so fun yes yeah you have two well, children i have two yeah two. yep yeah. Eight and three. So it's a fun, fun season. We just put up our tree too. And it's so it yeah, it's the best. They just and they each have a little tiny tree in their room that's like oh. all their own handmade ornaments yeah. and things. And so they like to fall asleep or read, you know, by the tree. And uh it's so magical to see everything through kids' eyes. It's the best. It's, awesome. it's, it's yes. Fun. yes. Well, I'm so thankful that you joined us today and shared about your story and opened up scripture with us. If people are interested in connecting with you more um, in the future, how can they do that? I think uh, Instagram is probably the best way. Okay. Uh, Shane underscore Lima. Um, you can connect with me there. I would love to. And uh, just thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit on this podcast and uh, keep doing what you're doing as you help people ditch perfection and embrace reality and just lean into God's grace that meets us there. It's awesome. So it's cool to play a little part in it today. Well, I'm so grateful. Yes. Thanks for who you are and the ways that you are investing in your local church, but also investing in the Capital C Church. And just so grateful that we got to cross paths this last summer. Yeah. And and we just believe in in you and, and what you're up to and what God is up to in you. So thanks for thanks for being here and sharing today. And so hope you hope you and your family have a merry, merry Christmas. Too. Happy New Year. Thank you. As we reflect on Matthew chapter one and all that Shane unpacked with us, my prayer is that you would experience great hope this Advent season. Shane said something in our conversation that I wrote down and I want to read it again because I think it's so valuable. He said, sometimes we have to wait the story out long enough to see how God's grace can weave together pain into triumph and trauma into testimony. Sometimes time is what is needed to make sense of what doesn't make sense. And in this Advent season, we are putting ourselves in the shoes of the people of Israel who waited and waited and waited for this Messiah that they had been promised. They were waiting and crying out to God and wondering when this Messiah would ever show up. And sometimes the waiting was not so easy. And sometimes, as we know from scripture, they didn't wait well. But that didn't stop God from showing up. God came. As we know in the form of Jesus, God came and dwelt among us. God came, Emmanuel, Jesus is God with us in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the mess, in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our trauma, in the midst of injustices, God came and God still comes and God is still with us today. But sometimes it's hard to see, right? Sometimes it's hard to see God with us. And some of you may be in a season of waiting where you're going, where are you, God? (laughs) And I hope that you can hear today Shane's words that God is inviting you to stick with it, to trust that God is with you even when you can't see and stick with it. Wait the story out long enough so that you can see God's grace emerge and break forth and bring light into the darkness because we know and believe that that is what God can do. 
And so friends, if you're in a season of waiting, whether you're waiting for a relationship to be reconciled, whether you're waiting for a baby to be born, whether you are waiting for a season of your life where you are not living from paycheck to paycheck and experiencing such extreme financial stress, maybe for some of you, you are in a season of waiting for that door to open for that job opportunity, or maybe this dream that you feel like God has planted inside of you and you just so desperately want it to come to fruition. Many of you are waiting. And so I pray that as, as you're waiting, that you will hear what we talked about today, that Shane said, hope is our fuel. May hope, may hope be your fuel, my friends, so that you don't give up and may hope also be the lenses through which you see the world, your challenges and your circumstances. And may hope remind you that God is indeed with you and God will sustain you. Well, friends, as we finish today, I would love to pray with you and for you. God, we are so thankful that you are God with us. And we're thankful that you can weave together beautiful stories in our lives. And I pray that for myself and for my friends listening, that maybe in seasons of, of waiting, seasons of hardship or confusion, God, that you would give my friends great hope. God, I pray that, that we would be able to all look back on the stories of these women who were included in the genealogies, women that had experienced great hardship and trauma, a lot of pain because of the selfish choices of other people, women that may have been cast aside or deemed as as disqualified, they are an important part of the story that God, you did not give up on them. And even more than that, you valued them when the world didn't. And so we're grateful. So as we reflect on that story, God, remind us of how valued we are, how even in times when things don't seem to make sense, that you are with us and you can bring good. So we trust you to bring good. We trust you to bring light. And we trust you to bring restoration to our stories. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, I am so grateful that you hung out with us today as we are in this series, Repeat the Sounding Joy. I am so excited for next week. My friend Bree Johns is going to be here to unpack with us a little bit of Mary's story and the reminder that we can simply be this season. So join us next week. And in the meantime, if there's any way that I can encourage you or support you, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Carly Communicates. Thank you.